Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where we have no mic. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. Uh, I don't know what was longer, the delay between our last podcast and this one, or the time we just spent trying to get your damn microphone to work. So weird. It's just my computer has stopped reading the mic, and that's new. Like, I was using the mic the other day. Your computer is convinced we retired. He's like, you retired, you're not coming back, I don't need to worry about this anymore. It's annoying, it's not like the first day that we've used... You know what, I should have done, you're right, we should have recorded on the phone, because these are little mics that can connect to my phone. Oh well. Bluetooth life. Yay! Use those for my YouTube. Anyway, we're back! How are we doing? We're back, we've been away for a while. Um, Stuff happened, I mean, I took holidays, and then life got busy, and it was hard to make schedules sync, but we've been doing stuff, and so we're going to talk about what we've been doing, and then a little bit of tease about what we're doing next. Exactly. What have you been up to? Oh, uh, in terms of running? When was uh, the last time we caught up? It was when was the last time we caught up? It was late March. It was the Brimbank episode. Yeah. It was the double Brimbank and... Um, yet to be released Oxfam. Yeah, exactly, because I'm an idiot and I haven't released it yet. And the last time we put out a podcast was like <laughs> early April, which means we must have recorded a few days before that. So we haven't probably have it's now the very last day of May. So it's probably been two months or so since Andrew have seen and I have seen each other. To be honest, it's been quite of not kind of nice. You know what it's like when you're forced to hang out with someone every week and talk about nothing. I wasn't that far away. <laughs> you could hear me. Andrew walked away. Andrew does this now. He trusts me to to run the podcast solo, and so he just leaves the room. Trust is a strong yeah. word. But no, it's been two months since we caught each other. I did some stuff, but what have you been doing? All right. So yeah, I've been. Um I've been really focusing on, you know, different parts of my running, like stay power. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had some big workouts. Like, for example, yesterday, and this is a recovery week, mind you. So I'm in the middle of a recovery week. Uh, so every uh, three weeks, I go, I build, build, build. And then the fourth week, I, I recover. Yep. Which is just kind of like a hard taper sort of thing. And so yesterday, I was meant to do 16 uh, 400 meter repeats. Recovery I, week, folks. Yeah. Recovery week. I ended up doing 22. Because you can't count? Mistakes were made. <laughs> Basically, okay. So, Choosing to do 16 400s in a recovery week is yeah. probably week, mistake number one. Well, no, that was fine. Yeah. But, okay, so here, because we're, we're building up, like, specific, like, getting that state power, making sure we get that lot of time on legs to build up the power. But the thing is, and this will probably segue into what you wanted to ask me about my long run. Yeah. So I went out yesterday, and I started to do my 400-meter repeats. and. I'm a little bit congested at the moment, so it was feeling hard, but I knew I was running fast as shit, right? Like I was, I mean, for me, I was running easy, a, you know, at least four ten kilometer pace, right? Um, and my watch was saying, no, dude, you're running like a six and a half minute kilometer. I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even No, no, not even that. No. But I was like busting my ass, busting my, and finally I get to the 400 mark at like two and a half minutes. What the hell? Mm. And so I was like, all right, maybe it's just the congestion. I just felt horrible. <laughs> but I know that that was – it felt further than 400 meters. And then I did the second one. It's the same thing. And I, I, I ticked over the 400 meter in like 2.15. I'm like, I'm working harder two than days, this. Wait, it's taking you 2 minutes 15 two, to do 400 meters. At a hard effort. I'm like, this is wrong. This is not – That a, makes no sense. No. And I'm like, what the f- – and then I was like, oh. I turned off my GPS on my watch the other day. And I forgot to put it back on. So your watch was just using like movement of your movement, arms, yeah. stride length. So I was like, well, shit on me. So basically I stopped that. I, I took my – because with all these 400 meters repeats, I took 60-second recovery. Mm-hmm. I took my 60-second recovery, but in that meantime, I restarted my watch, got the GPS back up and going, and boom, I was off. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already programmed the, the workout in my, my watch, so it said 16 to do 16, right? 
I fast forwarded, so I just basically lapped the first two, yep. just because I didn't need to do them. Uh, and then I started running, and and things are ticking well. I'm I'm, I'm d- doing between a, a a minute and thirty five and a minute forty, about right. Yep. Uh, and then I get to the sixteenth, and I was like, "Hold on, I I did two. I need to do another two. That was my first mistake. So that that took me to eighteen. So your first mistake was adding two when you should have taken off two. Right. And then I was like, "Wait, I've just added. I've added two, but I only did fourteen. I got to do another two, and that took me to twenty. And so my twentieth was my fastest one." Good. Were you well rehearsed by then? Yeah, well, it's still taking 60-second rest, so I'm really happy with this. So 20, I did it in a, uh, a minute and 26 seconds. Wow. So that's the fastest that's I've fast. done that in a while. Uh, and that's, the, you know, the difference between a minute and 26 and a minute and 30 or a minute and 35 doesn't seem like a lot, but in a four-second 400 meters, that's the difference between, say, for example, my current PR of a mile of 607 and a sub-six mile. That's, yeah. that's big. When you're getting down in those short distances, those seconds count. So that was awesome. But then I got to 20 and I was like, shit, now I've got to do an extra two because the two that I did. Why do you keep adding two? Well, because the two that I already did <laughs> that I didn't record yeah. were gone. So I was like, I need to add another two now. So that your records show that you did 16. The, 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 I don't know. I don't know what my thought <laughs> process was. All my blood was not in my brain. So your records show that you did 24. Two? My Strava shows that I did 22. But you actually did 24. No, I, I sorry. Um, my Strava shows that I did 22. I did 22. Yeah. Uh, I was meant to. Right. So, I guess, yeah, I guess. Oh, no. Hold on. Wait. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did 24. And the first two you did before no, s- that were longer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, sorry. Okay. So, I did. Strava shows I did 20. Right. I did 22. Okay. And that was, okay, so backtracking, that, when I got to 18, I was like, all right, shit, no, I got to do the extra two. I don't know, my brain wasn't working, but I did, I did 22 400 meter repeats with 60 seconds rest at like a minute 35 to a minute 40 pace. Good workout. I often say Strava's the problem, but I think you're the problem. That was like nine kilometers of quality, man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But the real, the reason why I was like, I have to actually make us get together and record a podcast was you, we are, you know, End of May. Yeah. It's about to finish up autumn here in Australia. We're about to go into winter. There's no real events and races coming up over the next four and a half months or so. So there's the run Melbourne. There is run Melbourne, but yeah, what's that? It's a half. Yeah. yeah. And you decided to go out and do a 29 kilometer quality long run the other day. I mean, I didn't decide. (laughs) Well, is this another one where you just lost track of time? No, so this one. So I'm still. What are you doing? What are you you peaking with? 30k long runs. So I'm I'm still with Kirk, of course. Yeah. Um. So we decided because we wanted to try to see what would happen. Because, be, like, like I said, I'm working with Kirk. We're working on our, our st- my stay power and trying to really put some deposits in the bank and mm. and get that that time on feet. Because as we gear toward the half marathon in July, I want to PB that, and then leading into the October marathon, mm. we're just going as hard as we can and that's it's funny because we've decided to do that to see how it affects me Mm -hmm. and my running by putting some real big workouts in like i don't think i run like right now my say my monday recovery run is about uh, 13 kilometers plus strides tuesday's speed workout is generally anywhere between 15 and 18 kilometers uh wednesday uh is generally a 
now it, it used to be a, a rest day. It is now yeah. um, we're just rest day, no running and strength. But now it is strength and cross training. Yep. So more aerobic work there. Thursdays generally some kind of either seventy five minute uh, moderate pace or seventy five minute kind of uh, vert workout. Um, and Fridays generally uh, like a ten k plus strides. Saturdays. Long run. Long run. And it's either just like a moderate long run or like this, this, this Saturday, I'll have some fart like training in there. Um, but we're just trying to like really push the boundaries. But the caveat to that is we're now taking my fourth week, that recovery week, which has always been a recovery week. We're taking it right back. Okay. Like, whereas that recovery week used to have, uh, 20% reduction. Yeah. It probably now has about 40. Like, there's yeah. even one less run in there. Wow. Okay. Um, and one less. I think one less cross training day. So what's your weekly mileage like at the moment? What's it's not, I mean, right? it sounds like a lot, 70 Ks. Yeah. It's about 70 to 80 on yeah. average, I think. Um, uh, I haven't hit 80 in a while. It's, it's probably right around 70, um, 70 to 75. And the strategy is rather than trying to peak close to an event and risk the body breaking down then and running out of time, load it up now, see what breaks now. And that way you've still got four months or so. To yeah. And we're just like, we're really, we're just really, really going gung ho with the recovery. Like we're going hard recovery weeks, yeah. um, like week before a marathon recovery weeks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, you know, I did that long run and that long run sucked because basically I went out, I did about 5Ks outside, and then it started to get real cold and dark and rainy because I went a little bit later. Yeah. That's and the I, other thing that prompted me when I saw it. I'm like, it started at like 4.30 or so, yeah, I, and I, it's dark here. Yeah, I had a bit of a late day, and I was like, oh, you know what? It's too cold. It's too rainy. I'm just going to finish this on my damn treadmill. So the rest of the 24 kilometers was on my treadmill listening to podcasts. Not ours. Yeah. Um. What did that take you on a treadmill? Two hours? Uh, I think a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit yeah. longer. I think that that the run took me somewhere. I don't know. It was like a. I had my foot pot on, so it was pretty mm. accurate. It probably took me about two two hours and forty minutes all up. No, mm. two hours and thirty minutes all up. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it was an impressive run for. You know, most people are now sitting there going, "Oh, it's twenty weeks, sixteen weeks until Melbourne in October." better start some training you're yeah. already doing 30k long runs yeah well that's it like i don't um the, the his net he sent me the next block now so this will be my mm -hmm. that was my biggest run it looks like for a while the rest of the runs mm -hmm. on this block are going to be in terms of long runs there's going to be a lot of quality there's going to be a couple of two and a half hour just like um trail runs yeah so it's like yeah same same time but less distance yeah uh, and much easier on the feet not the legs that yeah. are treadmill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. Treadmills are just unrelenting because that belt, everyone's like, oh, isn't it easier running on a treadmill because mm -hmm. the belt moves under you? The belt doesn't stop moving. The belt makes you, when you're running outside, you can vary your yeah. speed up and down by about half a K without even noticing. No escape on a treadmill. No, and plus the uh, the impact on a treadmill set to 0% incline, much worse mm -hmm. than uh, an undulating road or like if you're running on a treadmill, <clears throat> I can't because my, uh, my incline on my treadmill at home is broken, but you generally want to set that thing to at least two yeah. just to take some of the impact off, uh, simulate the outdoors a bit. Although my treadmill is propped up a little bit, so yeah. I don't know if that's good for the engine, but whatever. <laughs> well, it must be, be all right because they normally going. go on an incline anyway, don't they? 
Who knows? Yeah. We're not treadmill scientists. I'm definitely not. We'll send a treadmill to the moon. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. One small step for Zach, one giant run for podcast kind. We're really out of practice, aren't that we? That wasn't great. <laughs> but you're feeling good. Looks like your your training and your health and everything is good right now. And you've got a plan for when's run Melbourne? July? July sixteenth. Yeah. Okay. So six to seven weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this next training block will bring me right into about two or three weeks out. And then, um, yeah, I mean, based on what I'm doing speed work-wise, because we've got some real heavy hitting speed stuff and incline stuff in this next block. Yeah. I feel like, at the very least, I'll go sub-140, but I'm hoping for even better than that. Wow, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Um. But it'll depend, it depend on the day. Like we saw with the Great Ocean Road, a lot of people had ambitions, hopes, yeah. dreams, and that got shattered. Yes, Great Ocean Road uh, was just on in the last week here in Melbourne. Mm. And um, I had fear of missing out up until I realized that they were going to be running it into 45-kilometer headwinds. You can say FOMO. They get it. FOMO? Yeah. What, what did I say? You said you actually said fear of missing out. Well, I don't oh, think anybody's ever said that. Oh, my God. I can't believe I did that. OMG. You only live once, Andrew. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you know, uh, average, like uh, constant 40-kilometer headwinds down the Great Ocean Road and gusts of up to like 60 kilometers an hour. So nope. uh, Australia's most scenic marathon, you may be, but not when you're running into that the whole time. That's so, why I'll never run the Great Ocean Road. You've never run it, have you? I haven't. You know, I have no desire to. It's funny. I'll, I'll take the 50K Brimbank that slaughters mm-hmm. us every time. But I won't do the Great Ocean Road. It is. If it's not windy, it's very nice. I don't think it is. Okay. All right. Well, I guess the four times I've done it, I was wrong. You were. <laughs> so how, what, what's your running been looking like, man? So you went on holiday. Did yeah, you I, I went on holiday. Um, so I went. So we finished like uh, the March Madness. Uh, and then I took two weeks off. And just as and I felt really, really good. Like I think we, we spoke about it on the last podcast. I was... My recovery from this year's Oxfam and everything was so much better than last year's. Mm. Like last year's, I could barely move four to five weeks after Oxfam. This time, I felt great. And one of these days, you'll hear about. Yeah. One of these days, we'll release that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe before this one, probably after. Maybe we should start a Patreon and only Patreon subscribers (laughs) will get that that one episode. That one episode. You go to Patreon, there's (laughs) one thing. That's That's it. it. Um, And so, yeah, so just as I was feeling good about getting back into some regular running, we went away on holiday, went to Thailand. And we went to a place in Thailand up north called Chiang Mai, which... Chiang your what? Chiang Mai, which I didn't realize at the time, goes to show that um, research is important, folks, when you travel. Um, We flew into Chiang Mai, and Chiang Mai, the time that we were there, was the officially worst air quality on the planet. Bummer. So what happens in Chiang Mai is that in the month of April, they do a whole bunch of burning off Mm. and all the smoke and everything gets trapped because Chiang Mai for thousands of years has been a point where the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, their weather patterns in the month of April, May kind of cancel each other out. Sure. And so whilst the planet is working out, well, what's going to take priority between the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, nothing moves in Chiang Mai. It's like the eye of the storm. Hmm. And so all of this burning off that they do just builds up and just builds up and builds up. And so it is like being in fog for the entire time you're there, except it's smoke. And, you know, the World Health Organization says the maximum smoke particles you want to have 
is per million is 50. Chiang Mai was 400. Wow. 450. Um, now, people in Chiang Mai will tell you that they're the official worst air pollution in the world, and there's possibly some other places that aren't officially declaring their, their pollution that are worse. Sure. But for the entire time we were there, um, people walking around with, like, N95 oxygen masks. That's, like, legit. We thought it was COVID, and they're like, no, it's nothing to do with COVID. It's to do with the, the smoke particles and everything. Right. Did you... Like, did you, you could you could feel it. So we were there for a week. I ran twice. Uh, the first time I ran, I went out, and it was also super hot, like you know, forty degree days and stuff like that. Yeah, wow. So I was the times that I ran, I got up at six o'clock in the morning, went out, did a run, crazy hot, got home, and you could, you know, when you blow your nose and there's like oh, stuff in it. Yeah, there was stuff like that. All of my both my kids got headaches, Bummer. runny noses, and all stuff like that. Um, one day I just did an easy run. The last day we were there, I actually went and found an athletics track. Yeah. And I went and did 400 meter repeats. 22 of them? Uh, not quite 22 of them. When? No, no, no. In, in 40 degree heat and, you know, peace smoke, uh, fog, um, I was more just doing, I think, eight or something. And I tell you what, the locals looked at me like I was absolutely crazy because I was about twice their height. And here I am striding around this track in the middle of a pollution wave. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Like Thailand was all about a holiday, so I, I did a bit of running that first time, mm. and then when we went down south to um, the beach, the pollution wasn't as bad, but it was still crazy hot. Yeah. So sort of stuff where like you know you'd go do a seven k run, you'd be shot by the end of it. And then the last day we were in Thailand, we were in Bangkok, and I ran around the central park of Bangkok with so many people at six o'clock in the morning. Sure. But again, it was like. 30-odd degrees at 6 o'clock That's what morning. I remember at Singapore. Oh. Like, I'd go out there at like 5 a.m. and I'd be drenched within the first five minutes. The humidity was insane. Yeah. And by, by the end of it, like, we'd been there for two and a half weeks at that point. The first time you're there, you're, like, only drinking bottled water and all that sort of stuff. This last day in Bangkok, I'm drinking from public water taps. Yeah. I don't care. There's local people walking past going, I wouldn't drink from that, buddy. I don't care. I'm like, it's, it's boiling here. It's so yeah. hot. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough. I, I remember when I was in Singapore, there was a loop that I did. It was about mm -hmm. a four kilometer loop. And every time I completed the loop, there was like a convenience store. Yeah. I'd always stop in and get like a Gatorade and then keep going. Like yeah. every loop. I did the same when I went to these athletic tracks on my holiday. Cause when I was down south, I found another place that had an athletics track and went there and did some repeats. And both times there was a 7 Eleven out the front. And so I'd pop in there and buy my bottle of water, which cost like 30 cents Australian nice. or something um, and drank it down. And so it was good. It, it was nice to, I always, like I said, I always like to run when I'm on holidays because you get to see local stuff yeah. from a perspective that you wouldn't always see. And also when it's that hot and that humid, there was no pressure to do anything serious. It was like just getting out there and doing something was a victory. But it meant when I got back to Australia in late April, I was like, right, I'm ready to go. Uh, and so so, so the month of April for me was just recovery, nutrition, just, you know, try and find the, the routine again. Um, the month of May, I've been focused a lot on strength training. So right. doing a lot of cross training, doing a lot of explosive strength training for like the posterior chain and everything, trying to keep everything in balance. Um, I've had my most active month of training in the month of May since 2019. Yeah, wow. Like when you add up the amount of bike riding I've done, I've had my biggest bike riding month in forever. Um, most consistent workouts. Like sometimes when you're doing strength training and stuff like that, 
you'll have a couple of really, really good sessions, and then you'll have a couple of days where you don't do anything. Because, yeah. you know, we're runners. Runners don't like to do strength training. I've been really consistent with doing it every second or third day um, nice. and getting some good sessions in with some, some good quality weights as well. And my running's been good. I mean, I, I think I've ran 230 or 40 Ks this month. That's um, pretty good. Which isn't bad. Yeah. Um, next month will be focused more on speed work. So like you... I'm really going to concentrate in June on speed work, lots of, you know, intervals and, and sprint work like that. I don't know if I got more mileage than you this month. Well, maybe. You definitely didn't get as much bike riding as I did. No, definitely not. No. But I did a lot of elliptical. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> after that, uh, July and August will just be all about the long run. July and August, I'll just be really working that long run and trying to build. But but I want to do a good, solid month of speed work. Um, you know, I'm doing uh, intervals uh, two times a week with sure. fit and everything. Just trying to, you know, push yourself to go a little bit faster. I was talking to someone about it the other day. I spent the last two years basically just ultra training, and so I want to get back to running training mm. and doing sprint work and doing faster stuff. Want to get my park run five k back down under twenty one minutes or so, um, stuff like that. Just really focusing on those small goals. So, um, and yeah, I mean, it's all about the A race. For this year is Melbourne in October. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm really trying to work out. You know, I I want to be having a discussion in October about right, what's going on here? Three twenty pacer, three thirty pacer, or three forty pacer. Like I want to be making a decision on the day about which one of those I stick with. Yeah. Like that's the conversation I want to be having, not a oh I'm just going to get around and try and go sub four hours or so. I want it to be a right. Are we going to be brave and go after the three twenty? That's what I'm hoping. Or, that's yeah. what I'm hoping. Personally, still, yeah, it's ambitious. I think it's possible. Yeah, it's yeah. I think for me, it's going to come down to whether or not I stick with the three thirty and try to gain some time because, like, it's it's so hard for us mere mortals. Not like you, <laughs> Zach. You're a freaking pace king, but like, especially in Melbourne, that second half is just brutal. Mm. So it's hard, like. I don't know if I'm going to do that or if I'm just going to go right with the 320 and just see what happens. I was talking to Simon about it because Simon's in really good form as well. And I basically said to Simon, I'm going to get through the month of June and get some speed work back. And then July, August, you are just pacing me yeah. for 10 weeks. For 10 yeah. weeks, we're just going out and you are pacing me on long runs. Nice. Because um, he's he's running so well. He's running long runs. Yeah, he just PB'd his 5K, five. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so he's such a good pacer at the moment. And so I'm trying to – and he's he's thinking about doing Melbourne also. And he, like me, is sitting there going, oh, I don't know if – like if, if in theory he could do 320, he doesn't think he'd go after the 320 because he's so worried that he'd go after 320 and blow up and end up in 350. Instead, he'd probably go with the 340, comfortably run 340, and go, oh, man, I, now I regret not going faster. But it's it's all about what do you fear more? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of it's yeah. That's the work because that's the thing. If you if you shoot for a time in the marathon, that's even ten or fifteen minutes faster than you should. No, five minutes. Five faster minutes faster than you should. Than you should yeah. You're gonna blow up forty minutes. Yeah, and that's that's a hard thing. I mean, theoretically, you know, by the time you get there what you can do but mm. really you don't because yes you've run your long runs 30 35 kilometers sure yeah but like adrenaline conditions yeah, it's like yeah the so many factors go into the race and it's like 
if you overdo it for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, that's going to come back and bite in the ass yeah. two, two hours later. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's a hard one. It's like, and, and then you want to be like, all right, well, let me just test it out on my long runs. But then it's like, well, no, you don't want to lose. You, you don't want to like leave your race in a training run. Either. Yeah. And you want to beat yourself up on the long run so much. Yeah. That you, and so that's the thing. Simon and I, we, we went for a long run on, on Sunday this week. It was just so wet, so terrible. Um, he and I started off in running jackets and just by the end of it, it didn't matter. There was water everywhere. Mm. We're sweating. We've got chafing and all that sort of stuff. My shorts have ridden up and disappeared up my crack um, because it was just horrible, horrible weather. And so we had nothing to do but talk for this two hours because we were the only two idiots that went out there and ran. Yeah. Uh, and we were just debating it. We're like, oh, man, even if the numbers say I could do a 324, I don't think I'd want to go with the 320 in case I blew up. But then when I get to, you know, if I'm running with a 330 person, I'm going to always regret, why didn't I go harder? So I think the long runs in July, August are going to be really important for me to work out, right, what what is it I can go after? Yeah. And really refine it in September with a couple of good quality pre-race runs. Or we did that episode last year talking about pre-race runs, like almost doing a pre-race um, and really practicing all of that sort of stuff. And so I've got that planned for September. Yeah, those. and those are great. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's a catch-22. Like, you don't want to leave your race in training, but you also don't want to leave too much to the imagination. So you've got to do those long run <clears throat> where you put some kind of a pace yep. that you want to run at. So, like, even if you do, like, a 30-kilometer long run, just put 20 kilometers in there at – or. 15 kilometers in their pace. Yeah. Simon, like, we've one of the best runs I had last year, Simon and I and Omar went out to um, to Altona. And so we did a, uh, I think it was a 25-kilometer or a 30-kilometer loop. I can't remember which one it was. But we ran out at an easy, comfortable pace. And then on the way back, we were like, let's just push ourselves. Like, pushing yourself at the start of a long run is, is bad because if you go too hard, then you're not going to finish the long run. But saving it up and running the last half an hour, 45 minutes an hour at, at a really aggressive pace at the end of a long run. It's it's good. It, it tests you to see what you can do. It, it tests you to see if your body can actually respond. Like the number of times I've been doing a long run at an easy pace and I'm like, I don't think I can go any faster than this. And you don't because it's a long run and it's meant to be easy conversational pace. And so you've got no incentive. But actually running with a friend and both of you going, no, no, let's try and push it. I understand we've been out here for two and a half hours. Let's run the half half an hour hard and see what we can do. That's where you can really get an idea of what your race time will be. Yeah, also just a great way to develop your state power. I mean, I will always recommend to people that if they want to see how they're running, don't like go out on a threshold run so get your heart rate up to that threshold um that threshold rate whatever that is for you stick to that for 30 minutes to 40 minutes take a two minute recovery and then go for the rest of your long run mm. that's that's going to be a good simulation also a lot of things that i've been working uh, a lot of these workouts that i've been doing uh, Kirk's having me do these great things called float recovery workouts. Oh. I love them. I think they're like probably my favorite where you go, you run, you take a certain distance or a certain time and you run hard. Say, say you run five minutes hard yep. and then you take the next three minutes and you run it not easy, 
but not hard, but enough to keep you working. So in other words, for me, maybe my hard pace would be 4.30 for five minutes. And then my float recovery is a five-minute pace. So it's not a recovery pace by any means, but it helps you get that simulation of what race day feels like. Like the other week I did uh, one mile, 1600 meters hard and one mile, 1600 meters float recovery. So that looked like for me, that was about a 645 mile, about a 420 pace or so for the 1600 meters, followed by uh, an eight and a half minute mile or about a 520 uh, kilometer pace. So not an easy pace. And not enough to bring my heart rate down, but enough to keep me working and then right into that heart. So there's no break or anything. It's mm. just like hard pace, flow recovery, hard pace, flow recovery. And it just keeps you working and it gets your body more efficient at clearing that lactate. And so you can really, really get a good idea of what race day is going to feel like. You do that like a mile on, then a mile flow recovery and you do that for uh, an hour or a prescribed distance or just do five minutes hard, three minutes easy for whatever, that's a, that's a pounding workout that's going to help you really develop some good stay power for you. And it teaches you how to change gears. Like yeah. one of the real problems with doing long, like long runs are, they are what they are. Mm. But one of the problems I always find is when you're two hours into a long run, your ability to change gears Sucks. is non-existent. I can tell like if that, that one mile on, one mile float, I think it was a uh, uh, four though, so eight miles in total, so thirteen about thirteen kilometers. That last one, switching from the five twenty pace or the eight and a half minute mile pace to the hard pace, <clears throat> was a real bitch. <laughs> um, and it's funny, it's like with those, it's almost like the hard pace is secondary, and the hard bit is keeping you <clears throat> going during the float. Right. So it's like you do the hard pace and whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but you stick to your float recovery. Mm. You stick to that not easy pace, but that hardish pace, uh, but easier than the hard pace. And that's the one that matters. So like, I don't care. Like if I'm running a 630 mile for three of them and then the last one is 655, whatever, who cares? But as long as each one of those float recoveries are 830, um, that's, that's what matters. Mm. And it is hard. <laughs> I mean, it is hard. You come out with a, you know, a 13-kilometer a, a run that's got a banging average pace. Um, and you're just like, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. You don't want to do them too often because, you know, they do take damage. Yeah, it'll burn you out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for, so for my next couple of months, like next month I'm thinking I'm going to do about 270 Ks on the legs. Crazy. And then once we get into the long run months – um, my plan says they're going to be 350k months or so like that. Like, you know, I, I'm going to do that. Like there's going to be some some genuine long runs in there, like some 34, 36 yeah. kilometer long runs. But I'm also probably going to back it up most times with at least 15k's on the Saturday yeah. as well. So the weekends are going to be somewhere in that 50 kilometer range uh, and then throw in. I'm, I'm still doing two a days on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sure. I find doing... Two shorter runs on a Tuesday and a Thursday is just easier for me because uh, it means I've got three other days during the week to do cross-training and stuff. Yeah. And it means if something happens with schedules or weather, I can just drop a bike commute and swap the run in instead. Nice. I've actually had a couple of times 
where I've gone into the city early and I've gone and ran at Albert Park Lake or I've gone ran the tan. Um, and it's great because there's other people there of very, very different abilities. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm at the tan on a – I was saying this to the guys the other day. I was at the tan on a random Thursday morning. It was a really nice Thursday morning. And I was running around and just, you know, doing my thing. And there were some people running laps on the Thursday morning who they must have been doing for the, what is the tan, 4Ks or something like that. They were doing it in 14 minutes or so. They were ripping. They were absolutely flying. Like I was getting passed by them and then they were passing me again before I'd finished my lap. And they were like, I'd done 3Ks and they'd done, you know, they were coming back and passing me again. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And there's people doing hill repeats up and down (laughs) Anderson Street. And it's like, it's just crazy. Did you see the guy the other day who um, he was, it's an ad for gumboots. And he was asked, hey, how fast do you think you can run around the tan in these gumboots? And he, without thinking, went, oh, less than 13 minutes. Like he's a good runner already. So he's a good runner already. And he said, oh, I can do the I can do the tan in less than thirteen minutes in gumboots. And they went, right, bet. And so he bet a friend that who if he did it, his friend had to get a tattoo with the gumboots. And if he lost, he had to get the tattoo. He ran twelve fifty eight in gumboots. That's insane. He ran a three oh one for the last kilometer or something. That's ridiculous. It's just insane. It's absolutely insane. And that includes going up Anderson Street. I don't understand that. Yeah. Now, they're not knee-high gumboots. No, but still. But still, they're not They're not vapor flies. No, I mean, I got, I got gumboots that come up to about here, and yeah. I can't imagine doing anything faster than a power walk in those things. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine doing something like that in, like, you know, Adidas Superstars or Stan Smith or something, let alone gumboots. No. Like, yeah, so that's crazy. I'm sure that... Now, the gumboot people are like, mention the name of the product, mention the name of the product. I can't remember what the name of the product is, but just go look for Gumboot's Tan. Gumboot Flies. Yeah, and you'll 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 see what it was. But yeah. Gumber flies. Yeah. So yeah, so so realistically, Melbourne is twenty weeks away. Yeah. It, it popped up in my diary in my thing the other day. Melbourne's twenty weeks away. Sydney is sixteen weeks away or so for me. Oh yeah. So I'm doing Sydney as a pre run a month out. So what are you gonna do for that? Um, is that going to be like a, so if I'm in good form and I'm going to be thinking of Melbourne at anywhere between 320 and 340, then I should be able to run Sydney fairly comfortably in four hours. So I think I'll just find the 350 pacer or something like that. And just go out for a training run. Yeah. The Sydney map. (coughs) So Melbourne has three hairpin turns in it. Yep. It has the hairpin turn in Albert Park Lake. Mm -hmm. It has the hairpin turn in Port Melbourne. And it has the hairpin turn in Brighton. Sure. Everything else in that event is, at worst, a 90-degree right-angle turn. Sydney, I swear to God, must have 20 hairpin turns in it. There's bits where you're running up and back, up and back, up and back. And this is the revised fast course. Nope. This is the course that took out all the hairpins and took out the running on single path. Like apparently this Sydney Melbourne, this Sydney Marathon, I've long thought it interesting that Sydney is the Australian marathon that's decided to go after being an Abbott World Major. Yeah. Because I've, I've always thought Melbourne and Gold Coast were bigger events. Well, Melbourne is the biggest marathon event in Australia, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Sydney's not there. And Sydney's course apparently has been traditionally lots of hairpins, lots of almost single-file running, 
Like if you imagine the worst bits of the uh, the Run Melbourne course, where you need to run along South Bank Boulevard and it gets really narrow and stuff like that. Apparently there's been whole sections of Sydney which are like that, which they've tried to eliminate this year as part mm. of making the course better and helping to qualify for the Abbots. But I don't know, it's just looking at it, there's must be 50 turns sure. in this course. So That's not fun. It's not going to be something that's going to be super fast. Um, so I'm just going to get out there, have some fun with it. Um, it's the classic tale. You know, I got a great deal with that race entry. Yeah. Race entry was $42. Yep. So far, I'm down 1200 bucks for this trip. By the time you throw in flights, accommodation, transport to and from the hotel and everything in the airport here in Melbourne, food, because you need to eat. Good savings. Yeah. My $42 marathon is now 1200 bucks for me. Because I didn't realize when, when you fly during the week between Melbourne and Sydney. Melbourne and Sydney is like in the top five busiest aircraft routes in the world. Yeah. And so you can get a seat for $79. Nice. You can't get a seat like that on the weekend. Mm. On the weekend, it's like bring your checkbook type stuff. So, yeah, straight away I was down 300-odd bucks for flights. Would it have been cheaper to go on like a Thursday and stay the extra night? Well, yeah, possibly. But then I'm time away from family and all that sort of stuff. And so... Yeah, I was already pushing the friendship. Um, you know, it, it rapidly went from, hey, I just got a race entry from $42 to I'll be away to three, for three nights sure. and it's costing us 1200 bucks. And yeah, so I, I think I've cashed in as many chips as I can yeah, that's on this Sydney one. That's yeah, fair. But, I, but I, I'm pretty happy with it. I got a hotel to stay in that's like a kilometer from the start line. Nice. So my theory is rather than staying in the CBD and getting across to North Sydney for the start, I'll just speed ride at the start, and then at the end of the event, things will be a lot quieter, things will be a lot more open and away. Just right there. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully it's good weather. But Fingers crossed. 16 weeks. So, yes, that's my that's my, my plan. I've got my I, – I literally have a spreadsheet that has planned out every training session for the next 20 weeks. Nice. Like I've got it broken down. I've got it balanced. You know, I've, I've ran – the computations over it to make sure I'm not loading up by more than 10% every week. I'm making sure my long runs are proportional to everything else I'm doing the day. You ready to throw that all out the window? Ready for it to just, I tell you what, if I don't get sick and don't get injured and can follow this plan, I will be very confident and very happy going nice. to Melbourne. I, I think I've, I've done the pre-work. I've done the planning. I just need to execute now and get lucky. A lot of it is a little bit of luck. Yeah. That's it, and that is all. That luck is stuff that's out of our, yeah, out of our hands a lot of times, like weather, yeah, um, you know, illness, all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a plan that I can adapt and adjust if something comes up to make me miss a day. Yep. But you know, like last year, I had a, a solid twelve week plan, and with injuries and sickness, I ended up only really getting to execute on seven weeks of it. So you know, I just want to get a clean run. Yeah. Give me a clean run, but I'm doing like you. I'm doing the work now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a, you know, I'm about to start a 20 week training plan, and my mileage is already at 70 k's a week. Pay now rather than pay later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't overdo it. Just don't right. overtrain and go too early. Yeah. Right. Mm. Nice. So anyway, we're back, folks. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And that's all I have to say. Do you have anything else? No, no. That's all I have to say as well. <laughs> Hopefully, this recorded. Yeah. Well, I'll find out. Yeah. All right. So you got a little bit of uh, what we are doing. A little bit of uh, some tips and tricks in there if you're preparing for your next race. Uh, you know, as we get a little bit more uh, routine again, we'll have some probably more regimented conversations. Not that we've ever done that in three years, but, you know, one day we might. Who knows? Why would we change now, people? That's a good point. Seriously. All the tens yeah. of listeners out there. That's on you if you're waiting for us That's to it. change. That's yeah. it. 
you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and hoping for a different result. So there you go. And on that note, uh, look, thank you so much for listening to the Breaking the Barrier podcast where we hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We hope to see you out there on the roads and trails and the treadmills doing just that. We will catch you next time.